To do what I do, I need some idea of the threat we face. As I understand it, we're trying to prevent World War III. I'm not saying I'm again here. No. Something worse. I gather you have an interest in a certain Russian national. Mike's bring me in. You really want to know? You can communicate with the future. Time travel? No. Inversion? Name it and pull the trigger. You're not shooting the bullet. You're catching it. Oh. Well, I've seen too much. Well, we'll try and keep up. Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. And I'm Devin. Oh, and that's weird. It is. Uh, so this week, Ryan's a little bit under the weather, but we have not one, but two guest hosts. Devin, do you want to introduce the host that you brought along? Yeah, so I brought my lovely wife, Romana. Uh, we've talked about her a couple times on the show, but now she has uh, hopped in to uh, review with us. All right. Yay. Welcome, Romana. Thank and, you. Um, I brought my good friend and collaborator, Mike Moen. Mike Moen is responsible for all of our lovely pictures on our social media of us doing a podcast. And he's also a sound mixer by trade and dabbles in acting, I think. Is that fair to say? It's more of a sound guy now, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, happy uh, to be here. You can also follow him on Twitch at Voice of Mike. Oh, God. Don't. I haven't. <laughs> oh, wait. That's a great handle, actually. The, yeah, the Voice of Mike. Yeah, but I haven't. You know. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm saying this so you'll start playing Fortnite with me more. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So. But anyway, today we are talking about the new Chris Nolan film, Tenet, which just was released in the theaters last week we're recording this on labor day so we're putting in our the fruits of our labors this weekend with this so um before we get into the movie we will before we get in spoilers we're going to talk a little bit about the movie generally get avoid spoilers just general thoughts of what we thought of the film overall but before we get into that i feel like that we need to talk about the fact that this is the first time many of us, I think all of us were at the theaters in months. How did yeah. you guys feel about that? Yeah. Honestly, I think it was, it was weird because I had a lot of anxiety going because the way that the theater that we went to set it up, there wasn't assigned seats. So it was, you can kind of just go wherever we were told it was 50% capacity, but I still had that stress that like I would sit down, I would find the perfect seat and someone would just need to sit right next to me and no one would tell them no. And like that would have stressed me out so much. So like I had a little stress there and it's a little weird wearing a mask in a theater just because it's not something I'm used to. But I mean, other than that, I felt perfectly safe, I think. Yeah, I had the same. It was weird just like getting in. It was like, oh, I forgot how theater works actually. It was like <laughs> when you walk in, you're like, I guess this is a theater yet? And like, yeah, it was just weird, like seeing trailers, like on a big screen. It was um, like, yeah, you haven't been in years or something. That's how it felt. Yeah, for me, I would always drive by the theater that we went to. So I would see the posters on the wall that haven't changed since March. So they still had like the Bond poster up and trolls like coming soon. Um, so but when we got to the theater, the parking lot was completely empty and 
usually when on a weekend that theater is packed and then we went in i think there were only about seven people in the theater and we were three of them because we saw this together i was the guy who sat next to devin and made him uncomfortable (laughs) um but mike what was your experience like so i went to the new theater in frederick maryland the uh the warehouse cinemas um it was their grand opening i think this weekend um, it's a beautiful theater. Um, I felt completely safe. Uh, they had assigned seating, which was great. I think in our viewing, there might've been eight people total in the theater. And there wow. was, um, I think the normal capacity, I don't, I don't want to say anything. I don't want to quote it, but, uh, max capacity due to COVID is 30. So, you know, the theater was empty pretty much for us. So there's plenty of room and, uh, the sound system was kicking. It was the best sound experience I've had in a the theater, but we'll get more to that. But oh I yeah, highly recommend it if you are if you, Frederick, Maryland. If you think if you think we're going to talk about Tenet and not talk about the sound, you've been mistaken. Um. <laughs> so that actually brings up a good point. Like I've heard that this movie is like doing gangbusters in Europe, but is like not doing very well here. And do you think it's because of the movie itself or the plot? Or do you think people just don't want to go back to theaters yet? I think part of it is a lot of theaters in big markets like L.A aren't open yet. So I think they're missing out on all of that money that they would usually get. Um, Yeah, I was, I was fully expecting like a sellout at least for the warehouse cinemas. But I think, yeah, you're right. We're at this point where people are kind of hesitant to go. Cause I had a lot of people ask me like, so how was the theater experience? Did you feel safe? Did you? And I was like, yeah, it was, you know, wear your mask, social distancing. They wiped, you know, anything that you had to touch screen wise, they wiped down before every use. It was great. So, I mean, I, you know, so the movie made twenty million dollars this weekend. Um, oh. So that's not like that's not what this movie would make in any other year. But in the year of COVID, that's it's not bad uh, considering like Bill and Ted last weekend I think pulled in eight hundred thousand in theaters. Whoa! So oh my god, that's I, a shame. I could yeah. well, well a lot of the Bill and Ted audience was the video on premium video on demand. Got it. So I think they made more there, but they don't count those in box office numbers. I know um, it passed hundred million in uh, Europe. The tenant. Wow. So a little, yeah. Yeah. So far, worldwide, it's made one hundred and forty-six million dollars. So. So is that like a quarter of its budget? Its budget <laughs> was two hundred and five million. So. Yeah. All right. That wasn't it, too far and off. five of that was probably IMAX film that popped out of the camera, and Chris Nolan just laughed about. He just has that this like just tendency to ruin IMAX yeah. film all the time. So, Mike, I don't know if you know this. I'm sure Romana does, but Devin and I have the privilege of saying we saw Chris Nolan work on set. Oh yeah, yes. I forgot. God, that's been the, like years ago. Dark, did you? Was, were you yeah. there for that? I was a big crowd PA when they shot okay, at Heinz right. Field in Pittsburgh. So you were there oh, too. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was uh, okay. babysitting a section of like fifty extras and making sure they didn't dehydrate themselves because they were all oh. wearing winter clothing in like ninety-eight degree weather. It wasn't, yeah. you know. We were those extras. We yeah, were. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. So I guess that pretty much covers our movie-going experience. Um, I, I thought about it going into the theater. I have a weird list of movies I've seen in theaters. So right now, my my best movies I, of the year are Tenet and Impractical Jokers, the movie. <laughs> so, oh my god! Ouch. Um. So yeah, let's just get into general thoughts of what we thought of Tenet. 
So who wants to go first? I'll do it. Um, honestly, this is my favorite time travel movie. I think I like this movie for its rules, like the rules that it set up and how they use time travel even more than I like its use. And I'm sorry about this. Uh, I like it more than in Back to the Future. Um, oh, my God. I know. I know. Hey, <laughs> why am I here? I'm just crying now. <laughs> like... Look, I love Back to the Future, but I think Tenet delivered on its time travel promise in a bigger and more interesting way than, than Back to the Future did. You can't compare those movies. I'm just talking strictly from, I'm like thinking if like I need a time travel movie and I want it to be very cerebral, it's going to be this one. Yeah, there, there's a reason we did our time travel tie-in for when this movie was supposed to come out. Um, we'll get we'll get into the time travel aspect of it in the spoilers. This movie was about time travel? What? <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what did you think? All right. In terms of experience, and I don't know if this was because this was like the first time seeing a movie in a theater a new theater you know, at that. But I think this was one of the top three movie experiences I've ever had in my life, in my young life. Wow. Okay. Um, in terms of a Christopher Nolan movie, it's it might be in my top three. It's certainly no right. inception, but uh, I thoroughly got a kick out of this. I felt like it was a ride. Well worth the money. All right. Romana, how about yeah. you? I... I keep saying I really needed subtitles for this movie. Like, for not a native English speaker here, it was so hard to follow. I'm like, what am I watching? Like, I got bits of it. I thought it was still really cool from it, but it was definitely a, like a, I had to concentrate to follow it. And that was definitely hard with the music, unfortunately for me. While it is really cool, but it's really hard for me to hear the dialogue and understanding the English out of it yeah i really enjoyed the music in this it's weird going into a chris nolan movie knowing that it's not a han zimmer score but i really enjoyed um i always mess up his name um you told me yesterday and i forgot yeah (laughs) i uh but it's the guy who did the music for the mandalorian and he's like my go-to favorite Ludwig Johansson Johansson I'm just gonna call him Ludwig uh he did the music for the Mandalorian he did Black Panther he's worked with Childish Gambino a lot he's like young and young up-and-coming composer and it's great that like Hans Zimmer recommended him for this and he did a really good job of imitating Hans Zimmer and I enjoyed that I enjoyed that throughout the film um I think it's pretty straight cut Nolan. I I think it's what I like about this is it wasn't, I was worried that it was going to be too confusing to follow along with everything going on with the music and the, the, I knew going in the dialogue was going to be iffy at parts to understand. So I was worried I wasn't going to be aware of what was going on completely, but I feel like this one is pretty cut and dry, straightforward and not, didn't leave me asking too many questions leaving, which I enjoyed. I was ready for it. I was just ready to, uh, pardon my French, but get my mind fucked by Chris Nolan. Uh, but 
I, and I, I kind of did, but it wasn't to the extent that I expected. It was something like Inception, where you're still debating it ten years later on. So. Yeah, it felt to me a little bit like it was Inception with more rules. Like, they definitely made sure that you knew, like, okay, this is the thing that made you go forward and backward through time. This is how that works. Like, an Inception felt like it was a little bit looser. It's like, ah, we're going into a dream. Let's have a fun time and ask some more questions. And I wonder if, like, asking a big question, like, you know, oh, is the top still spinning at the end, would be harder in a movie like this that really tries to get into the nitty gritty of what's happening. Yeah. What did we think of John David Washington as the lead? Oh, he's amazing, I thought. I really like him. I don't really know him, honestly, from anything else, but I really liked his acting in it. Um, I thought it was, like, fun, the way he delivered it, everything. I know he's in Black Klansman, and I haven't seen that yet. And it looks like he's also been on Ballers with The Rock. Yeah, Um, that's the only show I knew him from. Yeah, so I I see him um, following in the footsteps of his dad, Denzel, um, I, Washington. Don't get him confused with the other Denzels. I didn't. I I did not put the two together. Like, I didn't either. Literally days before I saw it, I was no, like, "Oh my either. god, he's, that's his dad." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know until you just told me. I was like, yeah. Oh. <laughs> um. Yeah. I I enjoyed his performance in this. He wasn't quite as deadpan as like DiCaprio in Inception. And I'm going to compare this to Inception a lot because I feel like that's the Nolan movie I've seen the most of that is comparable to this. Like, I can't really compare Batman to this or The Prestige because that's like a period piece. Um, But I feel like this is in the same vein as Inception with the different rules of this device that they're using to do the thing. Um, He added a little bit of humor, which I thought in spots and when I thought it was it was a little bit off putting, but welcome. Cause there were just like little one liners that he would make that would make you chuckle, but it didn't really fit with like He would do that at times, but then not do it again for another hour. Yeah. I guess I didn't really notice that as like an inconsistency. I liked it though. I, I could have used more of it. Yeah. It's not something you usually get in a Nolan movie from the, your lead. Like you can see the Tom Hardy or Joseph Gordon Levitt character doing that in inception or like the robot in interstellar. But I didn't really, I, I wish it was more consistent for that. Um, did anyone else stick out to you guys in this movie before we get into spoilers? Robert Pattinson actually surprised me. Yes. Um, yeah. After seeing this, I, I not that the trailer didn't sell me, but I am completely sold on him as Batman. Yeah, me too, actually. Yeah, I had the same thought. And I keep forgetting he's British by itself, like, you know, so I was, it's so, I only know him from Twilight, so it's so weird transitioning to him here in uh, Tenants. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely, like, Team Edward now, like, <laughs> ow. <laughs> yeah, me too, for sure. I think he's finally at the point now where he's considered, you know, before he was like a movie star, like a teenage harp throw, but now mm-hmm. he's a bankable movie star that you know it has serious roles now and it's it's incredible and i can't wait to see how he's gonna grow he could yeah. be the next yeah. dare i say daniel day lewis-esque type you know what oh, i mean maybe man. 
Could you imagine? I mean, I could, you know, I don't know. I could see it. I could see. I mean, for what he's done so far, because he did a lot of indie movies too, yeah. right? Between yeah. Twilight and this. Have he you did, seen any yeah. of them, Mike? I've just seen the trailer and I talked to one of my friends who saw, I forget what the movie is, but the one that he got the most acclaim for. And uh, he said that it was like, he's a completely different actor, but I wow. haven't seen it. So um, I have a little bit of a Robert Pattinson story just because I'm that guy. Um, okay. I was, <laughs> he was on the set of Perks of Being a Wallflower with me. Uh, and I was sitting a little bit in front of him and his group of friends. And all he did the whole time was complain about his role in Harry Potter for like an hour. I forgot he was in that. Oh my God. Yeah. Cedric Diggory. Or wait, no, not Cedric Diggory. It's, I don't know. I forget. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. He just complained about that the whole time, which was great. Or spoilers he, for Harry Potter. Oh, oh yeah. God. By the way. Spoilers. Jeez. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> I didn't I think... say Snape killed Dumbledore. <gasps> oh, how dare you! Oh my god! All right, how we're shutting the we're shutting the podcast <laughs> down, guys. Um, yeah, he just complained about his uh, the like the weird fans about him afterwards, and how like he didn't think he put enough into the role. Which like seeing where he went now, cool. Like yeah, but no, like but at the time, not... I was like Edward's behind me complaining about Harry Potter. I hate this. <laughs> god, that's such a weird story, but. Yeah. Amazing at the same time. <laughs> I, yeah, I didn't. I never knew that actually. Oh really? Yeah. I'm, I probably I'm only told you the Emma Watson story, which is a lot more embarrassing. Yeah. It yeah. I, th- I, I think I know that story. I'll tell it off the podcast. Yeah. That's, I don't think that's a podcast appropriate story. <laughs> no. no. Um. Uh. So what did we think of Kenneth Branagh as the bad guy? Oh, it's fantastic. <laughs> like oh, he delivered. I, I mean. To me personally, like I'm a I'm a fan of his, and the stillness that he was able to capture, and like the the anger that you could just see in his eyes, was phenomenal, like terrifying. Especially that one outburst that he had. Whenever the, you know, I don't know if we're not talking about plot points yet, but uh, we'll get into plot points and spoilers. I think the last time I saw Kenneth Branagh as the villain of a story was Wild Wild West with. Uh, <laughs> oh come on! That's an epic. <laughs> <laughs> Look. Y'all real, that is like one of, it's a cult favorite, okay? it's Okay, so I think that's a good point for us to actually dive into the spoilers. So overall, do we recommend this movie to people if they haven't seen it yet? Is it worth going to theaters for? 100 times, yes. Yeah, Yeah, I can't imagine seeing this movie like on a, a little TV somewhere. Like this needs, this is one of those event movies you have to see in theaters. Yeah. I think that there's a reason they held it for theaters and it's definitely worth definitely. checking out, especially with how theaters, how packed theaters are right now with as few people as there are, it's going to be an intimate viewing experience, I think. So definitely get out there and check it out if you haven't. Um, and I think right now we're going to get into the spoilers. So if you yeah. haven't seen the movie and care about that, we'll come back later and go see the movie and, if you don't care, then just keep on listening because we're going to spoil the hell out of this. Um, <laughs> so where do we want to start spoiler-wise? Do we want to talk about the time travel elements? Yeah, let's start yes. there. It's kind of the plot. Well, Actually, hold on. Let me talk about the setup first. I was actually surprised this was a MacGuffin movie. Okay. For For like as, I don't know, as almost complex as I expected the movie to be, I didn't expect it to come down to we have to get this thing before anyone else does. 
see, I I avoided as much about this movie as I could. Mm-hmm. But I knew it was a time travel heist spy thriller. That's all I knew about it going going in. So mm-hmm. I wasn't really surprised by the MacGuffin. Um, but it's different for a, a like you, you haven't had that in a Chris Nolan movie except for maybe The Dark Knight Rises. Oh yeah, I guess so. Where yeah. a citizen has the trigger button. <laughs> that was good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I like that though. But okay, so you mentioned about the time travel, and like I said, I'm just gonna put my flag right here. This is the hill I'm gonna die on. Favorite use of time travel in a movie. I'm just saying. Is is everyone else in the boat? Is everyone like? Am I an idiot for that? What do you think? I don't know if it's my favorite. I, mean, I definitely enjoyed it. Are you forgetting the time traveler's wife with Eric Bana? I've never seen that it. Epic masterpiece. No. No, <laughs> is it? Is it that good? No, I, I, no. <laughs> oh, I mean, no, let's not compare Tenet to that. I mean, you know, it's a good, yeah, it's, you know, whatever. Out of all of the time travel romance stories that Rachel McAdams is in, that is one of <laughs> yeah, them. It's <laughs> one of several. She's in that other one with uh, Donald Gleeson. Uh, what's his name? Dumb the like both yeah, that like, one's better, I think, than Time Travelers, right? But anyway, yeah. yeah. But Tenet, yes, I agree. I agree with Devin's statement. That, yeah, yeah. I, I enjoyed the time travel of this. It's it was good visually, which you don't really get in many time travel things. It's just like a flash or like lines on the road from the DeLorean, and then boom, you're in the past. This one, you actually got to. It looked different, and there were different rules to it. Um, yeah. Lana, what did you think? It was a little bit more like complex than like Back to the Future, than of course, just driving away. <laughs> um, yeah. It was interesting with the whole um, that machine they kind of had to go into, and then the other side of it with like going backwards. It was like I don't know. It's, it looked way more trickier. It wasn't as like as simple how usually movies put it with time traveling, and that I really liked that it was just a little more complex. But definitely, yeah, it's a good time travel movie. I don't know if it's my favorite, though. (laughs) Well, I thought it was clever how they coded the time travel, where everything moving forward was red and everything moving backwards was blue. And I thought that was a really cool, like, indicator of, like, okay, this person's definitely going backwards. There's an element of blue about them while this person's moving forward. And it made it a little bit easier to track, especially in that, that last battle, the, like, quote-unquote time pincer that they did i thought that was so cool i don't know why i just i loved everything about it i saw a picture of a theater in china where they had the 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 path to the theater for tenet in two different hallways and one was red and one was blue Uh, and that that was like why didn't we get that here it's like oh yeah because the theaters just opened this week uh um yeah, it, it's nice to have a visual component to the time travel, because mm-hmm. um, usually it's just like a, a tint in the color grade. Like, oh, we're gonna travel to the eighteen hundreds. Let's make it like a little bit orange, <laughs> like make it tinny. Um, yeah. Do we want to talk about the dialogue and parts where it was confusing? I think we should. Okay. I mean, it's it's a yeah. Because part of that plays into the time travel with the interrogation scene. Because um, yeah. they do a really cool thing where they have Kenneth Brana interrogate um, John Davis 
John David Washington. And you can't really understand what's being said. And I think this is the one part in the movie where the dialogue is confusing and hard to hear, but it's intentional. What do you guys think about the dialogue in general? Yeah, of all the of all the scenes that you know, people that's been a big complaint with this movie, like most Christopher Nolan movies, is the dialogue is always hard to hear and understand. But this scene in particular was meant to be that way. And uh, I remember whenever um, Kenneth was talking, like uh, interrogating John David Washington, who I guess what's his name, the protagonist the entire. I don't even know what his real name was. Just a yeah, protagonist. I, yeah, I was. Yeah. I was sitting in the theater like, okay, what's his name? I have no names. Like names, I couldn't. I, like, <laughs> yeah, I, I know that like McConaughey was Coop, and then uh, DiCaprio was was Cobb. I was like, wait, what's this guy's name? I was trying to figure out. Like, did they say? Like, no, they didn't. I had to look it up on IMDb. It's like the protagonist. Oh, oh, okay. But then I remember whenever that scene started and they started interrogating, talking to each other, I was, I thought, I was like, okay, now this is, I couldn't really understand what Kenneth was saying. And I was like, all right, now, like I'm starting to understand people's frustrations. And then I realized, oh my God, it's in reverse. They're reversing his dialogue to like. And then, and then looping it back. It was incredible. Like, I was just like, oh my gosh, that's what. <laughs> and, and that's really the turning point of the film. Yeah. Like literally, like that's from that point on, everything yeah. starts going back. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoyed that aspect of it. And it took some time to understand like, yes, he was speaking backwards there. Um, were there any other times where the dialogue didn't come, come out clear for you guys? That was, that stood um, out. I had a couple of moments when he went to, um, when he went to Mumbai and um, talked to the um, main lady who was in charge mm-hmm. of it, um, it was just so noisy in the background for me to follow what was going on. So I, and what I think is sad because I missed then most of the plot, I feel like sometimes are really important pieces of like what is going to go on. And that happened a couple of times that it's just so loud in the background or whatever is going on. I just don't hear it. Now, Mike, you're the sound expert here. Um, don't say expert. God. <laughs> here we go. You, out of the four <laughs> of us, you're the sound expert. Um, how much of the dialogue being hard to hear do you think was intentional? And how much of it do you think varies from theater to theater with the sound setups? I want to say it's intentional because Nolan has said several times and even Richard King, the, uh, the, the supervising sound maker or the re-recording mixer sounded designer has said, uh, that's the way he kind of prefers it. You know, if you can't make out dialogue, it, it's not going to affect the story. You know, like he has certain elements like sound design, sound effects, music, background sounds that are going to help push the story instead of the dialogue. So it's definitely his choice. I read today that because I think, I believe they're mixing. It's a Skywalker sound. So they have the top of the line, beyond industry standard sound setup. So not a lot of theaters will have that. Like the newer theater, I think it, uh, the warehouse cinemas, that stuff sounded great. But I understand what um, Romano was talking about with that particular scene. Um, th- to me, it sounded like that they did a lot of processing, like noise reduction. Mm. And when you process that, that too much, and if it if it's played that loud, you kind of hear artifacting. And I think that's what a lot of people were hearing. 
Um, but I, I can't say it's, you know, due to the theater setups or anything. I don't know. It's okay. Well, well I, I think part of it is you were in a newer theater, so that would possibly play into it. Like, I, I was listening to a podcast and they were talking about how movies are trying to compete with television by adding all these different layers of sound that you can only get in the theater experience. Like that's not something that's going to come out of your home speaker to try to get people to come to the theaters more. So I think that's part of it as well. Like adding these different channels. And so it sounds great in surround sound, but not so great when it comes out of your TV. And I think depending on the theater setup and how old the theater is, like our th- the theater we went to, they redid their seats a few years ago, but I don't know the last time their sound system was upgraded. So, well, that's the one thing I did want to mention about a, the theater that we saw it in. It was, um, it's every movie I've ever seen there is just so loud, and like, is it just that I forgot movies are loud, or just like, do some theaters just really turn their volume up to like compensate for lack of subtlety in their in their speaker systems? Well, I think. I have to. I, I don't have this pulled up, but there's like a certain level that they require, or something that they want certain movies to play at. Oh. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times, theaters mm-hmm. will underplay it, like they'll lower it. Yeah. So it's like I can't even tell you if the warehouse cinemas was playing it at the correct levels. It sounded like it was, like it was like really loud. But yeah, it's gonna vary from theater to theater. Mm. Like until until these like the studios make deals with like theaters that you hey you have to play this sound at a certain level. I don't think you're ever gonna have consistency with that. That makes and, sense. Then, and then if you get like the teenage manager who does, doesn't care about the theater and just hit, hits a button to make it play off the hard drive, then it really doesn't doesn't matter because they're not going to care. Right. Um, yeah. I think the one scene for me that was the hardest to understand was the uh, the sailing scene when they're talking through like those like headpieces. But I think Absolutely. that's just more because yeah. when you record dialogue, I'm assuming that's all recorded from production because, you know. I think that's what he try, tends to do is try to keep all of his production tracks, which is why you know people had a big issue with Bane's voice because they mic'd him. You know, I think they used like a, a, a wireless mic in the mask to try to correct your voice. Yeah, wow. This, does, this is not going to sound good when you try to amplify it. It's never going to sound like crystal clear. And it's I think, very painful. <laughs> and this movie had quite a few characters at some points wearing masks, and that was where a lot yeah. of complaints you couldn't understand what they were saying, but. It didn't really take me out of it. It kind of actually put me in that situation. Like if I was there with them wearing a headset, that's exactly what it would sound like. Yeah. Minus the sound effects and the score and everything. I, I find it kind of ironic that the first movie, big movie back in theaters deals with a character wearing a mask for most of it. <laughs> oh, do you think about that? <laughs> to be able to survive even. Because like, the, the, the weirdest thing about the time travel to me is the fact that the air going in backwards doesn't work right. So you have to wear a mask and have your own air supply. I was like, that's the weirdest time travel quirk I've ever heard of. But okay, I'm in. Well, I love it. And I also love the fact that like the friction didn't work right. Like friction and wind speed on a car didn't work exactly the same. The part that confused me, actually, and I wonder if it got to you guys was the whole freezing versus exploding thing. Like, he was in an exploding car that then froze and he got hypothermia. Like, I don't know if I understood that part. It's just reverse. So instead of exploding, it freezes. So if he went to, like, Antarctica, he would catch on fire? No, because it's... 
the fi- the explosion that he was in was caused by somebody who was inverted. Oh, okay. So when they caused, but at the same time, I don't understand how Kenneth Branagh can light a lighter and start a fire that turns into ice. Like it is a little like that, yeah. iffy there. Like that's something I'm gonna have to pay more attention to on my next viewing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I I like the inver- that inversion stuff where everything's a little bit opposite because they couldn't really do much with the wind speed, but yeah. the fire and ice thing I thought was cool. Mm-hmm. I thought the whole bullet scene too, actually, the whole all the bullets like in reverse. I like all those effects how they did that. Um, it was just interesting, but I was wondering actually. Not so much. Did you guys catch like in the story that it's like that it was them that they would run into each other? Did you guys figure that out already, or was when, it like a shocker? When Robert Pattinson took the mask off of the guy and we never saw who he was, I was like, okay, something's going on here. I didn't put it together that it was the protagonist right away, but because I thought there were two different people there. Like that was a really good. Uh, mislead that there were two different people, but it was just him. Um, so I, I was a, I was a little bit suspicious of Robert Pattinson from that point on. I was like, okay, is he like a younger version of Kenneth Branagh with a British accent? Like, what's going on here? Because when they show young Kenneth Branagh, they kind of hide his face and he has like the same hair as Robert Pattinson. Um, oh yeah. So I was like, I was kind of iffy about him, but then it's just like, oh yeah, I've been working for Tenet the whole time. It's like, okay, that's, that's not like the best twist, but okay, like (laughs) whatever. Um, I didn't even catch that twist, honestly. (laughs) All right. So I had another lingering question about the movie. Okay. So when Kat was talking about her experience, uh, on like her day and her her vacation in Vietnam, she had said that her and her son were, or she and her son were driving or boating back from like shore, and she saw somebody dive off of the boat, and then went back to her very much alive husband. Can that scenario play out again? Yes. Because, okay, because she killed him on the boat, and then dove off the boat. So then, is that version of Cat coming back to a different boat, and we are therefore in a different parallel universe? Because they talk a lot about parallel universes, or like she also asked guy in the boat, like, "Can we make it work?" He's like, "Yeah, we can make it work." Did they like find a different version of him? Like, did anyone have that question, or am I just being weird? I think it's a valid question, but I have a, a take on it. Okay, um, tell me. My take on it is the Kenneth Branagh that she kills is the one who traveled back. So there are two Kenneth Branas in Vietnam that day. The one that takes off in the plane, the helicopter after her and her son leave. And then the one that she kills and because she shows him the scar and he knows what that's from. So she kills the future version version of him. So there are everything that happens in this already happened. She saw herself diving off of the boat. Mm hmm. Yep, I think I that totally uh, makes sense. I think you're right. Mike, is that what you got from it? We actually had to watch <clears throat> I had to watch a uh, explanation of it on YouTube today. 
but yeah, that's pretty much seems to be the uh, the common <laughs> explanation for that. That he went because back they talk- because he was going to end it. I mean, that's where he was going to end his life and therefore end the world. Yeah, he went back in time right. to that specific moment. But, I mean, I, it's like cause we're not trained to think like this, man. It's like that's why I think it's going to take me. It's going to personally, it's going to take me probably two two more viewings before I'm like, okay, I get everything. You know what I mean? But yeah, I don't. Yeah, the yeah, I have no idea. I felt <laughs> I felt pretty good walking out of the theater on this one, just understanding what was going on. Um. Because I, I try to avoid reviews and videos talking about this stuff until after we do this podcast. Because I don't like like other voices coming through my opinions. Um, mostly Kevin Smith, because he's mostly what I listen to. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was I was pretty glad that I was able to follow that along. Everything with the bomb, I think, was a little bit more confusing to me, just because I couldn't understand the dialogue at points. But I understood what the point was. Like, you got to stop this bomb from going off and destroying the uh, MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. The, what do they call it? <laughs> Is that what they call it? The algorithm. The algorithm. The algorithm. <laughs> the, the te- no, the Tesseract was the uh, interstellar thing. Oh, was it? Yeah. I haven't seen that movie in so long, I forgot. Yeah, the... Uh, yeah. Tie, the black hole thing where McConaughey's flying through is the Tesseract. Oh, that's fun. Not to be confused with Loki's favorite toy from the MCU. <laughs> that's so, where my mind went. So how did you guys feel about the whole, basically, like, anti- not, not the Kenneth Branagh antagonist, but, like, world-building-wise, the antagonist of the movie being us for screwing over the environment now? Because wasn't, like, the ultimate, like, world-building thing, like, they decided to invent reverse time travel to get back at us who destroyed the world because we used up all its natural resources and global warming? Because I I didn't expect it to go there, and I was pleasantly surprised. Uh-huh. I, think it hit, I think it hits different with COVID. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 2020. Um, yeah. <clears throat> But Mike, what were you gonna say? I didn't pick up on the the global warming. They destroyed the world. I was I I thought that the reason the the scientists that you talked about mm-hmm. um, wanted to send stuff back in time to stop it from ever being invented. You know what I mean? Is that, oh, what, is that yeah. I don't I have no I I need to see it again to be honest with you. But. I I think it's a little bit of both, honestly. Yeah, because I, I think I don't remember hearing anything about the uh, global warming or. someone said and it was really offhanded they said like oh the oceans rose and like the wells ran dry or something like you got the sense that like the earth was running out of natural resources and i like latched onto that for dear life and was like this is why it's happening and maybe i just like overdid it on that plot point okay so i what i think it was was it was invented for that purpose like sending it back and screwing us because we screwed the earth but the the inventor sent it back so it could be so it would never be invented so so it could never be used for that purpose again i need to see the movie again yeah yeah i at the plot whatever and then now that we're talking about it i'm like maybe i don't i mean there are 
there are small questions like that that I think are easy to pick up on the second viewing because you're going to know what to look for. And this is a this is a typical Nolan thing, man. This is I think this is why he's like one of the best directors out there because it's like you're going to go see a Christopher Nolan movie two or three times, like you're going to. It's just <laughs> yeah, because it's that intriguing, and you know, there's there's uh, questions to be answered. Well, embarrassingly, I saw uh, Inception ten times in theaters, and I've never seen a movie that many times. And I thought my five was a lot. <laughs> I mean, it's just it's just one of those movies where I was like, "Oh my gosh, you haven't seen this movie? We're gonna go see the movie." Yeah. And like, I did that to like nine friends after I saw it. Did Did you and I see it together for your first viewing? I think you were my second viewing. I'm okay. sorry, Alan. That's okay. I know. Oh. Eh. <laughs> I won't hold it against you this time. I just know I was the first. I, you and I saw Bruno together for the first time. So <laughs> truly never, a cinematic never masterpiece. Forget, never forget that talking dick. Uh, <laughs> uh, I feel like this movie like took me a while to understand. Like, because you like with Inception, right? They did a fantastic job explaining the rules and how the rest of the movie is going to work in that opening sequence. This movie, I think it took me like a good, it might have taken me up to where they go, where they, you know, maybe the interrogation scene where I was like, oh my God, okay, so this is how it's working. Because the entire time I was like, this is kind of slow. When, what, what is going on? There's so much going on. Then that interrogation scene really, I guess, switched it on for me. I was a little confused by the train yard scenes because I thought they were going a different way with it from that point. I thought it was going to be similar to what Nolan did in Memento, um, which pretty much tells the story in reverse mm. from beginning to end uh, or end to beginning. Oh, is that because um, he, it's because he died or died? Because you thought maybe I, that that's where like they're showing the ending of the. Yeah. Is that what you mean? Yeah. That, okay. So I thought that's where they were going because you have the whole opera house scene and yep. then you have him in the train yard and then there's a weird cut and then he's back in the train yard and the guy kept talking about it's almost seven. I thought he said the same thing twice. So I thought there was like a time tra- time jump there. Um, but I guess there wasn't, it's was just a weird cut in the film. So. Did that mean anything with that clock in the beginning? That, like, I, it's I took it as an Easter egg where he was like, Oh, we still have another hour and like moved the clock, like in a direction. And I was like, Oh, is this like a, like a, like, really easy like nudge nudge wink wink time travel thing or I don't know I didn't understand what the seven men there's just so much that happens <laughs> like, yeah. it's, yeah. I swear it's like it, that's yeah so well, uh, go ahead Devin I was saying, I'm going to be honest though that train yard scene I mean it was one of the first scenes but it was really the scene that got me like oh I'm going to like this movie because I loved the idea of the interrogation happening between the slats of a moving train and you being able to hear about as much as you would in that situation. I thought that was so well done. Cause like I didn't need to see that character get beat up for 15 minutes. And I'm glad I didn't see it. Like we understand what happened. So one thing about this movie is there's a lot of practical effects, a lot of ex- real things blowing up, a lot of real things crashing into other things. Were there any, uh, stunts or set pieces that stood out to you guys as as amazing anything you enjoyed more than anything else in this film 
sequences, anything like that. I mean, I don't know if this was like completely practical. So I'm sure it was CGI, but whenever um, during their pincer move, when one team shot the building and the other team shot it to kind of, that blew my mind. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Like, I kind of want to make that the uh, live background on my phone. Oh, that's cool. That is cool. Just, and then just in general, just like seeing the, the reverse, you know, I'm, I'm very interested to see how they pulled that off. Mm-hmm. A lot of, I guess a lot of, all of the actors had to learn to do their lines in reverse. What? Yeah. That's so so Kenneth, cool. Kenneth Branagh had to learn to speak with a Russian accent and backwards. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Not far off from his Shakespeare roles. He was well yeah. prepared. Not far off from a uh, Wow Wow West. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> Okay, wow, wow. I think my favorite set piece was the uh, the plutonium slash, or what they thought was plutonium when it ended up being a piece of the algorithm heist, where they had the like the the four like the the trucks like smashed in on each other. I thought that was so cool. I don't know why. I thought it was so clever. Like a lot of the car stunts they did in this was were great. I really enjoyed the backwards car chase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was really cool. that was a good one for me. Yeah. So, Romano, was that one yours, or do you have another one? I like that airplane scene, actually, that they heisted. Okay. That was so cool, that whole Boeing 747 in the hangar. I thought it was cool. I like the whole explosion thing. <laughs> it, it was weird seeing, like, I don't think that's a visual that you've seen on film since 9-11. That's a good point. I didn't even think about that. I didn't think about it either, actually. But it, it was so different. I don't think it was really playing into the terrorism aspect at all. Like, I think he did his terrorism movie with The Dark Knight um, with the Joker. But, yeah, I really enjoyed that. And I really liked how they set it up with Robert Pattinson. It's like, eh, it's not going to be that much. But the plane, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but going back and watching the trailer that, that, that they released a few months ago, like... All of the stuff that we just mentioned is in the trailer. Wow. And I'm really glad that I avoided them. Yeah, I was surprised that that Oprah scene was the starting scene. Because we got that as a teaser in the mm-hmm. theaters before. And I yeah, just we... didn't, ex- I didn't expect it. I was like, oh, that's the starting. Yeah, we saw it before Rise of Skywalker. They played the whole Opera House scene. Oh, okay. And like, if you just watch it, it feels like it's in the middle of the movie. So I was like, I just watched something very pivotal. Ew. And it wasn't. <laughs> I feel like they announced when that came out with Rise of Skywalker that it was the opening scene, though. Oh, I had no idea. I was like, I had no idea. the whole time I was like, wow, this Tenet trailer is really long. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, they're showing me part of the movie. Got it. It's like when we saw Mission Impossible in IMAX just for the Dark Knight Rises opening. <laughs> yeah. Where you really couldn't understand Bane because it was really bad then and they had to go back and clean it up. So speaking of the airplane scene, I want to know how many children are on this call like I am. Um, so during the airplane scene, they were breaking into that place where you had to hold your breath. Who else was holding their breath in the audience to see if they could do it as long as they could? Because I was. I did not. I, I wasn't. Oh. I did not. So I will next, next time. Next time, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Every time I watch this movie from now on, I will be holding my breath in that scene. Just I really you, hope Kevin. you do. That makes me feel so much better. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, 
I'm not joining for that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave that up for you guys. You get to watch me do. You can time me. Hold a stopwatch with me. I'll see if I can come oh, back. Yeah, I will. Yeah, Thank I you. do that. Yeah. See if we can really make it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize that the guy who hijacks the plane is Himesh Patel, who was the lead in Yesterday. The oh. what? What if the Beatles never existed except for the one guy knowing about the Beatles movie? <laughs> Um, he was really good in this. Yeah. I w- the, my, my biggest complaint of the movie is I wish there was more of him. I liked his character a lot. Like, like the whole bold is, isn't the word I was expecting you to say, but I'll take it like that whole <laughs> thing. I really appreciated. Yeah, he, he was good. Definitely. I haven't seen yesterday though, but, um, I heard it was okay. Yeah, it's just okay. There, there's an alternate ending to it. I was like, that's a much better ending, and I wish you would have stuck to your guns. Like, ugh. was it the original ending? Is it like, was it like uh, the passengers where it was the original ending, and then they like didn't it didn't test right with audiences, so they made it a better ending? Is that how that was? I think it was more. We're gonna do this one of two ways, and we're gonna go the less interesting route with it. Mm. So mm. gross. Watch the movie and we'll talk. Maybe okay. we'll, maybe I'll put that on the list. Oh, that'll be nice. So, all right. So, I had a question about the the movie asks a big question, and it asks it often, and I forget if it gets answered. But the one question that it keeps asking is, is time set or can it be changed? He asks that especially Robert Pattinson a lot. The protagonist does. Uh, he asks it a lot, like, hey, like when they were in the tanker, he said, doesn't the fact that we're still here right now suggest that we end up fixing everything in the future slash the past? Like, did they ever answer the fact that like time is is like a set thing or did they show that it can be changed? Because I think I interpreted it as it's all set and that like the movie ends up answering its own questions by its own existence. But am I wrong there? Mike, Mike, what, what do, do you think? think? <laughs> <Bass>. <laughs> I, man, I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm gonna have to see it again, man. <laughs> this is what I think about. Like, the, I like obsessed about this for the past couple like day or past R- day. Romana, what what do you think? I I really have to re-see it with subtitles, okay. honestly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I feel like I've missed so much, and I wish like I could like say more about like. It's, I think, but I'm like... I think that, yeah, I think the theater we saw it at offers those subtitled glasses. What? Yeah, that's a thing that exists. I don't know. I've oh. never done them before. Um, I'm kind of interested if they actually do have them. But if you look on their website, I think it has like subtitles as an option. And they give you like glasses that are synced up to the movie and will just play at the bottom. Um, so my interpretation of it mm-hmm. with the whole time is set thing is that time is set. Everything that they do on their second run through in the second half of the movie is what happened the first time around. So it's just a loop. It's coming back and doing it again. So she always sees herself dive off of the boat after killing Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh always died in that scene. They always stopped the bomb from going off and destroying the algorithm. Okay. Um, that, that all happens. So I think time is set. I, they do a lot of, of talking about paradoxes, but I don't really see there being a paradox in this. Yeah. 
Um, it seems pretty straightforward. And for a Christopher Nolan movie, that's kind of weird to me. So I'm wondering if I'm wrong. Well, the part that got me with time being set is that like we're watching the beginning to midpoint of a much larger thing anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, are we going to get a Tenet too? I doubt it. No. Yeah, this is probably a one-off thing. Yeah. But see, did, so if everything was set, does that mean Robert Pattinson's character making the decision to... Because he was the blue. Which is What did, what did the blue stand for? The reaver. Backwards through time. So he went forwards through time then, once he realized that they were running into a trap with mm-hmm. the tripwire. Mm-hmm. Therefore, is that free will or did that... Was that already, you know what I mean? Right. He made a decision to try to help them. And see, I didn't he... even like, so the ending, right? So, <laughs> I'm, okay, well, this I'm, I'm just going to say this first, because I, yeah. I got, I forget where I was in the movie, but I was like, oh, I know the twist. Robert Pattinson's the kid. That's what I thought, but then, actually. The, but then, oh, that, I, but then, but I thought that, and then in the car scene, Robert Pattinson was like, um, why save her? Why we need to get this? And I was like, oh, okay, a son wouldn't be like that. But then anyway, so that ending, so Robert Pattinson in the ending mm-hmm. was the one dead guy who reversed himself to catch the bullet, and mm-hmm. you know, in there when they're in that, that little cage with the bomb. Yeah, yeah. And that was the red Robert Pattinson, right? Yes. yes. Because everybody on the blue team did. A lot of people on the blue team go around and do the red side of it. Yeah, so they were like or, going like yeah. this. Okay. So yeah, they, they were going, yeah. <laughs> oh boy, grab your drinks. All right. So, Red Pattinson is dead. Uh-huh. Blue Pattinson was reversed, but then went forward to try to save them. Does that mean I was just confused as why he was still alive even though he was dead as a red? Be- I think he was dying. I think that he well, he reversed himself in the middle of being blue. So he yeah. went backwards through time, then made himself go forwards in the middle of it because he was trying to do that. So he was still technically going forwards, but then he went back to go forwards again, I think, which is, uh, ow. Didn't he, but didn't he say, like, at the end, like, he has something to do still? Like, just go ahead and, like, did I he still he have to go back to in it. time? Yeah, he has to go back and stop the bullet. And I think he knows because he was like, I'm not leaving anything up to chance. So I think he knew he was going to do that right now. But then he has to, like, right th- at, at the end. Whenever he walks away from uh, Washington, mm-hmm. he's going to go back in time to stop the bullet. Yeah, yeah. it's kind of it's kind of like in Bill and mm-hmm. Ted where they're like, "Okay, we need to put your dad's keys behind this bush <laughs> and get them for for right now." Like in the future, we're gonna go put the, the the keys here so we have them right now. Oh, hey, look, I found the keys. Like he knows it has to happen, so he's gonna go do it now just so it, it does happen. Because at that point, he can still go back far enough and stop it that is is that why he gave that plutonium away to uh washington yeah at the end i think so yeah because he knew he was going to die so he gave him his his half or third i still but... can't get o- i still can't get over the fact that the third guy there is aaron T- T- taylor johnson yeah kick ass kick ass that was kick ass okay. yeah my has he aged? He grew up, man. Yeah. He's a man. <laughs> he was in the Avengers too, as well. Yeah. Really? Kick yeah, ass. He... Or he was a uh, Quicksilver. Quicksilver, that was it. Oh, that was him. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for that that one time that Marvel Studios got to use Quicksilver before X Men used him to death. 
It's true, though. But supposedly they're both going to be in WandaVision, so. Weird. I like yeah. that. Really? Yeah, that's the rumor going around. We shall see. So speaking of that ending, I just have to say, I think I think this is why I think this is my favorite time travel thing. I can't tell you how much I love the whole our our something happens in my past but your future. I think every time that happens, I'm just like, this thing, this is my favorite. Because I just, oh, that end when it was like the beginning of the friendship for the protagonist, but the end of the friendship, oh, just got See, me. See, okay. I have a bit of a problem with that. Okay. Just because it's just straight up River Song and Doctor Who. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's what I thought too. Yeah. And I'm okay with it because Doctor Who isn't seen by that many people. And that was a cool story arc that they did. Um, or a cool story beat the way they introduce a character at the at the end of their arc, but the beginning of the arc for the other character. I really like that. Um, it just sucks that we're not going to see more of it. Like I would like to see a tenant two with just adventures in time with Robert Pattinson and yeah. yeah right. That's what that's so <clears throat> I brought up like, you know, in the middle, in, I forget where it was in the movie, but I was like, okay, the, the Pattinson's a kid. Right. And I was like, that's probably, that has to be the twist. I mean, you know, it's shame on me for thinking that I could outsmart Nolan myself. <laughs> But then, you know, after um, he said that in the car, why save her? We got to get the algorithm. I was like, okay, maybe that's just a you know a dumb thought. But then at the end, he said, well, this is the beginning of our relationship, a very long relationship. And I'm thinking, and then at the end, you know, he saves um, Pat. Yeah. And shoots him in the car and saves him. And I'm like, oh. so he so so he takes up the son as a guardian. That's Robert Pattinson's oh. character. And then he eventually, in the future, way off in the future, recruits him. That's my thought. I do like that theory. Do they ever give the na- a name to the son? Max or Max or uh, hold on, I gotta look it up. Because that's what that's I think the you're only close thing. though. I thought it was Max actually. Max, Max is the son. And then uh, the other guy, and Pattinson's Neil. Yeah, but I mean, Pattinson lied most of the movie. Like about who he was, and then the only, but the only like real moment where he's uh, son-like to her is whenever he's taking care of the wound. Other than that, it's like he he almost didn't care about her. Like he had to get the algorithm. That was the most important thing. Yeah. So that's what kind of threw me until the end, and I was like, well, maybe you know, it's a Nolan movie. You know, it's yeah. yeah. Let's let that top that, spin and keep spinning. You know, it's like <laughs> that is a lot of time travel with the in- inversion, though, for him to come back to that point and be. Because you almost have to live your whole life twice at that point if he's coming back to when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. But they definitely make it seem like he goes back way before that too anyway to set up Tenet. Yeah. I don't know. I like that idea. I like that a that lot. he's the son. I thought, I thought it was yeah. going to be more like this is – I thought they were going to be like – I don't know. I thought there was going to be some cheesy thing where Pattinson looks at Pat and was like, I'm your son or some crap like that. <laughs> you know? You're not going to get that kind of thing in a Nolan movie. Well, well, you, you kind of do, though, because a lot of the his stories do deal with uh, the child and parent relationship because you get that a lot in Inception. Like Cobb just wants to go be with his kids. Mm-hmm. And um, Interstellar, he leaves his kids and they resent him for it. 
and like he tries to make amends in the future with his old daughter um and even even the prestige like uh christian bale's character is trying to uh trying to be with his daughter because he's the one he's the one who wants the relationship with his daughter but you have Hugh Jackman's character interfering uh and then I don't think Batman had anything like had any scars with his parents or any issues with his parents at all so I've never that, heard of that's that that's the that's the exception that proves the rule <laughs> Batman and his parents were completely fine it's great it's a happy relationship yeah Ugh. did anybody else get really excited to see Michael Caine in this yeah. Oh yeah, I always love Michael. I mean, Caine. I'm a I'm a big Michael Caine fan, and I was at the, an antique store, right? And t- probably can't read this because it's inverted. Or can you? Can you? Oh, oh yeah. No, so can. the Caine yeah, mutiny yeah. where he got his name, right? Oh. So I'm a big Michael Caine fan, and uh, so it was nice. He's old man. He's so old. Yeah. Yeah, he is, like, but he still got it. He still got the the, the eyes. He still, you know, he still you can no, you no. Can still tell he's a presence, but it's just you can tell that this is probably going to be one of his. Yeah, in a, a in a year like this, it's like, oh know. no, this is. Uh, I don't want to think it. I'm not going to say no, it. No, no, I know. But, let's just yeah. not put. The, let's not even put that in the pocket. Just, just no, no, get no. that yeah, get that energy yeah. out. Changing the changing the topic. Yeah. So we're going to go down the line. Everyone do their best Michael Caine impression. Mike, you go ahead and start. <laughs> the thing is, is that I'm Michael Caine. I can't. Oh my gosh! I can't follow that. <laughs> my name is Michael Caine. The, the the key to doing a Michael Caine impression is just try to say my cocaine in a British accent. So it comes out my cocaine. I oh god. I can't even do it. My my cocaine. Nope. Nope, that sounds When I was in Burma, there was a bandit the size of a tangerine. When I was in Burma, there was a bandit the size of a ball. I don't know. <laughs> His balls were as big as a tangerine. And I said to him Squeeze it. And oh yeah. Oh, I'm pulling that, that for so Instagram. Good. <laughs> good. So Romana, what's your uh, what's your Michael Caine impression? Hey, I can't barely do a British accent. Oh my god. I can't top that. I can't top that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was awesome. Yeah, it was great. It was great. I mean I, I I don't think he was in the trailer. I think it's just, I think it's just implied at this point that Michael Caine's going to be in a Chris Nolan movie because he even has a voice cameo in Dunkirk. Um, oh, but I I kind of forgot that he was going to be in here. I was like, oh yay. Um. Yeah, he still has. Um, he still has. Anything else before we wrap this up? Yeah. So Mike had said something at the very beginning of this podcast. And I was really curious where we all stand on it. Where are, what are our top three Nolan movies? Like if we had to rank them, like I know this might, this is even a hard question for me. Like I'll start since I was the one that asked the question. I think it would probably be, I think I would put inception first just because I think the cast of characters is a little bit more like they all have a lot of personality. And in this one, like, Characters kind of come and go and aren't like as on screen and beloved as for a, a while. So I think Inception first. I think um, Tenet second, and I think I would do Dark Knight third. Mine is okay. Inception because I feel mm-hmm. like that's like his best mixed. 
movie sound wise and it's just like one of his this it's it's incredible and then uh, it'd be dark knight and then uh ah, probably dunkirk just because you know oh, wow. <clears throat> romana how about you so i only saw inception once and <laughs> don't really remember it so i feel like i cannot put that on the list at all um <laughs> i was gonna say batman for sure is number one mm-hmm. and then i think this one on number two, and I think I thought Interstellar was pretty interesting, actually, so that one on number three. I'm at a disadvantage for this category, because I've only seen Interstellar and Dunkirk once. I've seen um, all the movie only once, too. So. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm going to go this... I'm not counting the Dark Knight movies. Um, okay. I would I glue I would group them all together as number four probably just because <laughs> based on the fact that I've seen them all so often mm. and just did a rewatch of them a few weeks ago, but I would put this at third, Inception at second, and then my number one is The Prestige. Nope, sorry, that's my number one. You're right. I everyone always, everyone always forgets about The Prestige. You know what? I think about The Prestige all the time and forget it's Nolan. I wish I could erase only the part of my memory that's seen The Prestige and watch The Prestige again. Even watching it after you've seen it, there are things that you can pick up on and different interpretations of the movie. Oh, shoot. Uh, hey, Romana, we're going to watch The Prestige after this? I've never, yeah, I've never seen it, so we can watch it. <laughs> we're watching it. 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 <laughs> okay sure it's just like I, Nolan is like his movies man it's like one of the few directors where people will talk about his movies for almost a year and even at long mm-hmm. well long because we're still talking about Inception we're still talking about Prestige yeah so I think my last question is for for Devin who saw Inception ten times in theaters and Mike who saw it five <laughs> times does the top fall at the end <laughs> yes yeah absolutely it does because you see his kids faces I think that's the I think that's the real kind of trigger. Well, for me, that too. And then, you know, it, it does wobble a hell of a lot more than what it normally did throughout the entire picture. But just for me as a parent, I'm like, oh. he needs to be with his kids, man. All he <laughs> wanted to do the entire film was get back to his kids. So I'd like to think that that's what happens. Okay. Do you remember, do you remember, I'm just real quick, do you remember in the theater seeing that and like all you heard was, no, 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 no. <gasps> Cut the black. Yeah. yeah. Masterpiece, masterful. I mean, that's like an event. Like that's like a milestone movie moment in a lot of people's lives. I think. Like, I mean, that's that's what got me back to the theater nine more times. Oh, so good. And I think that's part of the reason they wanted to have this movie in theaters is because you get one. He films on film, so it's a bigger. Like he films on IMAX, so like he's intending this for IMAX screens. Um, but. He, his movies are so grand and he does so much p- with practical effects that you benefit more from seeing them in, the, in a theater. And when you get those twist moments, like you do in inception, you have the audience reaction to that. And it's kind of like the, the clips from Avengers Endgame with the crowd react reacting to the end of that film. Like just watching that, it gives me chills still to remember that. Like there are certain moments and his films seem to have it a lot where you get this crowd reaction and it's a communal event. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of hard to think of another filmmaker who does that on a constant basis. Can you Tarantino, guys think of anyone? Tarantino comes close. 
I mean, at least his movies get buzz. Like, not the same kind of buzz as a as a Nolan movie, but like, oh my god, did you see how bloody or over the top that was? Kind of is usually kind of a conversation piece for him. Yeah, but the end of Kill Bill, everyone's not amazed that she actually killed Bill. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> god, yeah, he's he's a he's one of the few that you know. I think um, Denise Devenu, uh the guy who's doing Dune, is one of those filmmakers, just off of based off of Arrival. Um, oh yeah, I think I think that's I think Dune's going to be interesting to see, and it's weird that the uh, the trailer for the trailer was the best trailer that we got in front of Tenet. Well, that's what I yeah. thought whenever it said what September 9th or something. I was like, oh man, that movie yeah. comes out like next week, and let's go. And I was like, oh, that's the trailer. Yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, wait, they yeah. moved it up? Like everything else has been pushed back. It would have been very bold of Dune to just be like, oh nothing's coming out in September. You know what we're going to do? We're just going to put the movie out next week and see what happens. It's like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm so excited for that movie. That movie's going to be so weird, and I can't wait for it to just be its weird, wonderful self. The fact that Hans Zimmer turned down Tenet to do Dune has me amazed. Is the soundtrack available yet? Like, Can we listen? Yes, I was listening to it before this podcast. How is it? Uh, I didn't get far. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's cool. good. I didn't realize that the end credit song was a Travis Scott song. Oh. And yeah, I only know Travis Scott from the Fortnite event that he did a few months ago. <laughs> oh, weird. Um, so one last thing I want to end on before, before we wrap this up, have you guys heard the Robert Pattinson Batman audition story? No. Oh. So Robert Pattinson had his audition for the Batman while he was filming Tenet, but had to tr- come back to the United States for the audition. So he told Chris Nolan, I've got to go back. I got to go to the United States for a family emergency. And Chris Nolan just looks at him and is like, you're, you're auditioning for Batman, aren't you? Let's just, just go. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess they had like, uh, he had like inside connections that knew that they were going for him so that's funny but that's and then and now and now robert pattinson is recovering from covid19 so we wish him well yeah seriously yeah so sad yeah friend of the show robert pattinson yeah the batman the batman himself (laughs) it's true what they say vampires do become bats oh Oh, that hurt a little oh no (laughs) um all right, so I think that pretty much does it. Um, Mike, where can everyone follow you on the social medias? Uh, Instagram would probably be better. Uh, Michael Mallon Audio. All one word, all lowercase, I guess. And uh, right. that's where I post my production sound explorations and adventures. Yeah, and uh, if you ever get back to, to Twitch, we'll uh, make sure to... Yeah, well, that's probably not going to happen anytime soon. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Um, mm-hmm. Ramana, anything you want to plug? Any social medias? Oh, well, everyone can follow me. It's um, Romana one two zero eight. Um, I'm trying. I'm doing some projects a little bit, so I'm more into like the fashion kind of thing and kind of cosplaying. So it's not okay. life yet, but I'm working on it. All right, yeah, we might need I to talk because I'm, I'm, 
I'm doing a cosplay thing for Halloween. I'm, I might need some opinions. Um, Devin, how about you? Anywhere, do, do you want to plug your socials? Yeah, sure. Uh, my Instagram is dstruthers13. Um, I don't know why it's that either, but that's where I am on Instagram. <laughs> Uh, and then on Facebook, I'm just Devin Struthers, and I'm wearing a trench coat with the collar the wrong way. So uh, find me if you can. Is that the photo that Mike took of It you? is the photo Mike took. It is my favorite photo, Mike. Um, so my Instagram is acram4815. Um, you can also follow me on Letterboxd, where I post some reviews. I'll probably post one of Tenet here soon, um, now that I have all my thoughts together. Um, but for the for you have to watch this podcast, you can like us on Instagram, uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at you have to watch this podcast. You can listen to this podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And if I say podcast one more time, I'm going to go cross-eyed. Um, be sure to leave a, leave a review, rate the podcast wherever you're listening to us. Uh, you can email comments to you have to watch this podcast at gmail.com. Uh, and until next time where I believe Ryan will be returning. Great. Uh, I want to thank Mike and Romana for being here. Thank uh, you. It was a great conversation. Devin, it's a pity you had to be here, but <laughs> I just brought the whole thing down. I'm sorry, yeah. guys. No, uh, until next time where I think we're going to, I think we're making Ryan watch a sports movie. Which we is are. Weird. So um, it's going to, ch- we're changing things up a little bit. Next, he's going to make us watch a weird superhero movie that he's never seen or we've never seen. So, all right. Until next time, which uh, for you have to watch this podcast, I'm Alan. And I'm Devin. And we'll see you next time.